Welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Sunday night. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, you already know what time it is. We're breaking down Miami's 22-12 win over the New England Patriots. Dolphins move to 9-5, eliminate the Patriots from postseason contention for the first time since 2008, and maintain the Dolphins' position at 7th in the AFC. We'll get to the individuals, hear from John Kinjemi, break down the storylines, hear from Coach and Tua and Christian Wilkins and some others, and get you my five takeaways from this Dolphins win. All of that and more on this Sunday, December the 20th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year's savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and a whole lot more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Let's go ahead and start this game off or this podcast off talking about this game with the stats from Sunday's contest because it was pretty much a departure from the games we've been used to recently with the Miami Dolphins. The running game just gets it going in this one. The Dolphins have 383 total yards of the Patriots, 303, 250 of that for Miami on the ground. The Patriots just 117 on the ground. So more than double the Patriots total there with the rushing yards. Miami passes for 133. The Patriots 186. The Dolphins are seven for 12 on third down. The Patriots two for nine. One takeaway apiece. Miami gets three sacks on Cam Newton. They get two on Tua Tungavailoa. Dolphins had seven penalties for 40 yards to the Patriots two for 20 but Miami possesses the ball for 37 minutes and 26 seconds in this game and that was one of the I suppose storylines I was looking at heading into the game how would the run game stop the Patriots the run defense stop the Patriots run game and how would Miami rush the football and we'll get more into that here in the first takeaway. I wanted to see how the Patriots would play coverage or bring pressure against the Dolphins quarterback and that offensive line How would the Dolphins fare against the multiple looks of the Patriots? That as well as the Dolphins pace offensively, going quickly, going aggressive, going more spread looks. We'll jump into that as well as a a conversation about the Dolphins special teams hidden yardage in this game because two of these teams in this game are two of the top three teams rather in special teams production this season. So we'll talk about all that. Let's go ahead and jump right away into the first takeaway and how can you start anywhere else besides the running game? They start off early in this game with 10 carries and 50 yards to get things going and I just wrote down consistent surge from Solomon Kinley. He was pushing guys all over the field in that first half getting connected on double teams getting to the second level and creating big big lanes. He did later leave the game on the cart with an injury and did not return was replaced by Michael Dieter at that left guard position we'll have more for you on Solomon Kinley as the week goes along but I thought he played tremendous I thought Austin Jackson was a big part of those double teams just wiping people out off the edge plenty of those big runs off the edge for Matt Breida created off that side of the left part of the offensive line by Austin Jackson as well as some work from the tight ends thought Ted Karras was excellent as well getting to the second level being part of double teams just getting leverage and getting things turned out to create gaps inside for the running game. And that really continued into the second half as the Dolphins ran the ball so well in the first half, 
only to come out in the second half and do it even better. Season high in the 250 yards. The second half looked like just added contributions from everybody that maybe I didn't talk about in that first part there. Robert Hunt, Jesse Davis getting pushed off the right side. You don't run for 250 yards without everybody coming to the party. So we'll dive into the work of the offensive line a little bit more on the Tuesday All-22 Review podcast here on Drive Time part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network, but they were consistently getting four to six yards early, setting up the offense in position to convert third downs. And that was a huge key in this game. If you add the fourth down to those numbers, the Dolphins were eight for 13 on the money downs, quote unquote, and the Patriots just two for 10 on those money downs. So Miami gets the successful short runs early. And then off of that broke some big ones in that second half runs of 31, 24, 14, 13, and 12 yards. I mean, that's five the, the first two are really kind of field flipping plays, but to consistently run the ball for more than 10 yards like that, you hit those consistently. You're just not going to be stopped. I mean, we've seen that in the past, whether it was Ricky Williams back in the early 2000s, Jay Ajayi back in 2016. You can create chunks in the running game like that. It's just so demoralizing and so crippling to a defense because you suddenly put the pass rush kind of at bay. They have to be more at it. They have to adhere more to the running game. It kind of just takes the wind out of the sails of the defense when you consistently chew them up for big chunks of running plays like that, like Miami did in this game. And it helped the Dolphins score on three of those final four possessions in the second half, end of the game, notwithstanding a two-play drive to run the clock out there for Miami. And they were doing it in a variety of ways. Savon Ahmed up the middle between the tackles, pushing the pile. I thought that was really impressive how he showed his his strength and power on a couple of those runs and then obviously broke some big ones late in the game. Lynn Bowden, the double reverse little uh, pitch back to him where he made about 18 players miss on that play and worked from one side of the field all the way back to the part of the field where he lined up pre-snap. thought that was just, it showed you a little bit of the electricity that Lynn Bowden has in his game and his skill set and how he can help you in multiple ways. And then Matt Breida finding a way to win the edge consistently. I thought that was a big part of this game plan. Big uh, tip of the hat to the tight ends as well. You don't win the edge without tight end play out there also. And Matt Breida got a few big chunks of, of yardage off either side. And with the running game, how do you get the, me- the most out of your running game? Well, it's got to be a total team effort, like Brian Flores tells us post game. Yeah, I think Chan did a great job uh, really throughout the week, really the entire offensive staff. Chan, Marsh, he's Eric Studersville, George, you know, the entire staff. Uh, Robbie Brown, but the players executed. So Ahmed ran hard, Breeder ran hard, Patrick Laird ran hard, offensive line blocked well, we had receivers blocking downfield. I think, you know, we executed. They should be proud of themselves. You know, it's a tough, it's a well-coached team over there. We played well today. Let's go ahead and hear from the man of the hour as well and Savon Ahmed, the Dolphins, leading rusher on the day, the Dolphins' first 100-yard rusher in the last two seasons. Uh, you know, it's just fun to be a part of, fun to be a part of a win. Um, you know, this is a big win for us and our team, and we work hard for this. So, you know, it's, I'm just happy to be a part of it, um, be a part of this organization. And takeaway number two here for us on the Sunday night recap podcast as the Dolphins down the Patriots 22 to 12 is finding different ways to win. We talk about 250 yards on the ground is kind of a, a new a new route to victory for this team this year. I think we we saw some really successful work in the ground game in the Jacksonville game, the Chargers game, for instance, but nothing like this. They nearly double up the previous season high, which was that 133 in Jacksonville. We've seen this team win with special teams dominance, whether it's Jason Sanders hitting five field goals or Andrew Van Ginkle blocking a punt or Jakeem Grant having a punt return touchdown himself or just consistently winning the hidden yardage battle as well in association with those big plays on special teams, which Miami actually probably didn't do that 
in today's game for the first time maybe all year. They were dropping some pooch kicks in there. The Patriots were getting some some uh, short kickoff returns, angling coffin corner punts. Matt Slater had the ball down at the two-yard line like he does every single week, it seems like. But none of that mattered today because of the running game. We've also seen the defense just shut down the Bengals and Jets in back-to-back weeks. We've seen them create four turnovers in multiple games this year. We've seen the passing game really get the job done in the win over the Cardinals. We've seen complete dominant team wins in the game like the 49ers game. But today was the first one that I really felt like the running game just put their hat in the ring and said, we got this. And that's how you win in January, having the full capability of everybody on your roster, every position group, having the capability of picking up other sides of the football team. And maybe they're not at their peak. And I'm not saying we're going to make a run to the Super Bowl this year or that we're not. I'm just saying that that's the most tried and true way to win consistently against good football teams. You take away one thing, okay, we can beat you in this area. And that's something I always harken back to the Breeze, the Drew Breeze and New Orleans Saints conversation because a couple years ago, they became way more balanced opposed to a team that went up and down the field and broke records in the passing game and he started to throw the football less. So people questioned, can he still do it? And he proved to them, hell yeah, I can. We just kind of reserve that until we need it because the defense and the ground game can get us wins. And speaking of that, actually first, hold on, let's do some audio first, but I'm going to come back to this point in one second. I want to hear from Coach Flores about the resiliency of this group because it's a theme that goes along with multiple ways to win and finding depth on the roster and different units to step their game up and make big plays and get you to victory. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach Flores on the resilient group he has in that locker room. I think we overcame a, a tough first half, but that, that just speaks to the resiliency and the, uh, the mental toughness of this team. Didn't play great in the first half, you know, got down into the red zone, turned it over. Uh, you know, this team, we don't go in a tank. We just keep playing, we just battle through. That's what they did. Came in at halftime, made some adjustments. I think Chan made some adjustments. Josh made some adjustments. Danny made adjustments in the game. Uh, they went out there and executed. So. And I think a great guy to ask about something similar to that question for Coach Flores is Christian Wilkins because he was the first draft pick of the Greer and Flores regime or the Greer and Flores pairing here in Miami. So we had a question for Christian Wilkins here about how does it feel to come out from where you were back in day number one back in 2019 to be here in 2020 at 9-5 and five with a chance to control your own destiny to make your own success going forward this season. Here's Christian. No, it's good to see. Um, you know, since day one, you know, there was never a doubt in my mind after I met Coach Flores and got around the organization that, you know, we could, you know, do some good things, um, you know. But, uh, you know, I just hope that good things can continue, you know, to keep happening for us. But it's all about putting in the work in, uh, putting the work in each and every week, uh, you know, to just keep it moving. I'm just excited to be a part of it. So he is a part, a big part of this football team. We talk a little bit about Chris Greer here on this podcast and the Dolphins personnel staff and the, the team they've assembled. And we talked about it all offseason, the free agency, you know, purchases with Van Noy and Byron Jones and Landon Roberts and Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogball, all these guys having a massive impact. Eric Flowers, Ted Karras. I'm going to forget names because there's so many good ones you could put on this list. The Dolphins also drafted a bunch of rookies. And today they started six rookies on offense, seven in total. The rookies on offense, Tua, Savon Ahmed, Lynn Bowden, uh, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, and Robert Hunt. 
It was the first time since 2018 that a team started six rookies on offense and the Dolphins get the win in that game. Seven rookies in total if you count defense because Raekwon Davis started on defense as well, but Brandon Jones did not start and he nearly made the play of the game with that forced fumble as it was overturned after the fact after Xavier Howard picked it up and took it back 86 yards for a touchdown, but still an excellent job there from the rookie to get Cam out in space to stand him up in the open field. He misses that tackle. It's first and 10 in the red zone with a three nothing lead. So you never know how the game turns from there, but just a consistent impact from this rookie class all the way around. And it's not just with the guys that were drafted or the guys that were signed to the big money free agent contracts. Savon Achman was picked up after he was cut from the 49ers. We saw that consistently throughout the year last season, bringing over a guy like Zach Sealer, who now gets himself a contract extension this year. Trading for Lynn Bowden, who never played a game for the Raiders before he was traded, swapping fourth and sixth round picks to go out and get Lynn Bowden to bring him in here and look at the impact he's having. The best front offices don't just win in the first round of the draft and with their top free agent signing every offseason because if that was the case, everybody would do it. They win with the, you know, the, the deals like the Lynn Bowden deal, like picking up a Savon Ahmed, like undrafted Nick Needham last year and bringing him in and getting him to play just really good slot cornerbacks for the whole season for you. The Dolphins find multiple avenues to get players in here and have an impact on the 53-man roster, and it's been a whole bunch of fun to watch this thing come together 14 games in to year number two. But back to the speaking of idea that I had on the previous part before those those quotes there from Coach and from Christian Wilkins talking about the multiple ways to win. Speaking of that, that's takeaway number three. A quarterback who plays winning football. And I just, there's winning time in this league when things are kind of magnified and things get bigger and certain situations become more amplified and you just see the calm nature, the the consistent poise of this, this young man, this 22-year-old quarterback to be in there and to have the moment never be too big for him. And it's not like I'm breaking ground here, breaking news. We've heard that from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks podcast who got his college coaches, his his mom and dad and Trent Dilfer, his his uh, his post or pre-draft coach leading up to the draft process, all the people that have been around him from Nick Saban to his teammates at Alabama to the people that talk about his spirit and his energy. These people all talk about his ability ability to be in the moment and to make plays no matter how how you know bright the lights flash on him and there was a play in this game where it's third and eight Patrick Laird picks up 12 yards on a rushing play just on the fringe of the red zone slash like field goal range I think if they get four or five yards there they're in a good spot to kick a field goal but the Dolphins get the first down on the ground there and take a lead of six points with a two-point conversion afterwards opposed to kicking a field goal and going up by one point in that spot because they finished that drive with a touchdown run from Tua on third down, which, you know, he fights, he gets away from the initial rush and then fights his way through an arm tackle to get into the end zone. Just a big, big play there. A couple of big plays on that drive. Would have loved to have gotten a quote on this from uh, Coach or Tua about if he decided to change the play himself or if it was something they called in that running play. I'll ask that later in the week and get it for you guys here. But, you know, I just love the way he plays the game, the way he manages the situation. And you hear the word manage a quarterback and you think, oh no, that's the kiss of death. The dreaded game manager, but that's that's not what it is. It's about being in control of the situation. We heard Patrick Mahomes talk about it post game last week. He was effusive in his his praise for Tua's ability to recognize the moment and to play within the structure of how the game calls for at that moment. And when he knows he's got the ground game and the defense going, he plays smart football. In fact, he was very upset with himself after the interception on that 
uh, second drive of the game that got, you know, was 95-yard drive down to the three-yard line, throw a pick in the end zone on third and goal from the three-yard line, and that interception really bothered him. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on that pick. I think going into the third quarter, you know, we, we wanted to start better than we did in the first first half. Um, I, I think the first half we, we did pretty well, but, you know, the decision I made down there in, in the red area kind of put us back a little bit and kind of kept the Patriots in the game and you know that whole first half I, I I was drowning that that was you know my fault because we we had points there and I try to force that so um, you know third third quarter and fourth quarter second half we, we just wanted to come out and you know to take what the defense gave us and you know then you guys seen uh, what what the O-line and the running backs uh, were doing so Pretty consistent throughout the game there, the running backs and the offensive line. You know, the 95-yard drive to start things off, plenty of running in that action too. Tua was seven for his first eight passes, but the one incompletion was the interception, and it just got him. I mean, the pressure caved in around him. He tried to throw the ball to a receiver to make a play and, and try to go from three points to four points, but it bit him there on that play, so it didn't work out there, but... All in all, the way he manages the game, and we talked about the Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterbacks number 20 and 5 since he got to New England, and we saw what he did earlier this season to Justin Herbert, you know, limiting that rookie quarterback to his worst game of his rookie season, possibly a rookie of the year season there for Herbert, and we there was a good clip from the NFL matchup with, uh, with Matt Bowden and Greg Cosell, and they talk about how you know teams scheme things up and they show you how the the Chargers game the Patriots would show pressure and then peel off and drop themselves into a passing lane and it confused Herbert a few times we saw the same looks in this game where they would get the pressure looks up front and show you five and then drop out and bring a different guy and still blitz at the quarterback I thought Tua did well to to manage that and to see that and to not play into those traps there was a play where the edge came down and showed pressure on one snap and Tua saw him fall back into a hook zone where Savon Ahmed ran a slant route that was supposed to be in behind him if he rushes here on the slant route behind him but Tua saw that broke the pocket and threw an off-platform throw that went incomplete but he saw it he didn't throw the ball right into a dropping defender kind of like Christian Wilkins got that pick back in the Ram game Rams game so this Patriots defense, you know, they come in with the ninth lowest blitz rate, and I'll be curious to see that number for this game, how much they blitz Tua, but they were bringing five guys a lot in this game, and it was always from that kind of amoeba pass rush look, different guys from different gaps and backing out. Definitely a lot on a young quarterback, but I thought that he did well to stay in the game and, and to manage the game and hit the big throws when he had to and convert on third downs, just beating five-man pressure, beating coverage, a little bit of everything, just good work there from the Dolphins rookie quarterback as he continues to impress in the way he sees and feels the game. Takeaway number four, we talk about the Dolphins' multiple ways to win. I thought one thing they did in this game that has been pretty consistent throughout the course of the season was how well they did to stop the Patriots' offensive strengths, the screen game, the exotic runs. There was an option play early on where they cut that thing down. And we kind of saw that last week as well with some option look there where Patrick Mahomes got out on the edge and they defended that well. Just sticking to their rules is a general takeaway as well. But back to this game, taking away the Patriots' strengths. Uh, Coach Flores talked about it in the lead-up to the game, how this team leads the NFL in screen yardage gain this year. The Patriots' first two screen plays went for zero yards and for or for one yard and for zero yards. So one for two on one yards. And they kind of backed that thing back a little bit after that and went to those kind of underneath crossing routes. But that's kind of what we've seen the Dolphins' defense this whole year do, is limit the offense's options, take away their favorite go-to plays, and force them to play sort of left-handed as it were and execute from a smaller menu of options to beat what we're going to do. 
And I saw some consternation on Twitter during the game about that soft defense as those crossing patterns chewed up some yards at times in the game. But look at how it went in the red zone. Look at how it led to a takeaway and damn near another takeaway earlier in the football game. You force the offense to execute repeatedly and the chances for mistakes increase when you do that. Hell, we saw Belichick do the same thing with Tua at times and this Dolphins offense. The best way to lose a game like this is to give up a big play. So I just thought the Dolphins did well to keep everything in front of them and to come up and tackle and make plays and limit the Patriots from the big play and capitalize when they had their chances for takeaways or third down stops, especially in critical areas down in the red area. I also thought the big guys up front had one hell of a game from Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogbaugh, Shaq Lawson, holding the point up there at the point of attack in the running game. Zach Sealer had the big sack in the end of the game. So did Emmanuel Ogbaugh. Jerome Baker got in there with Shaq Lawson, but I think the sack went to Baker on that play. But these guys found a way to get constant penetration, constant victories against the running game. They had a couple of uh, runs that sprung for, for chunk yardage there, but 117 yards on the ground for the Patriots in this game. And the Dolphins did so much to help themselves get into winnable third down situations. And they came through on those with both the front line, the second edge. I thought Jerome Baker set some really great edges today, as did Kyle Van Noy. Great to get him back. Great to get Elandon Roberts back as well, who brought that physicality he brings every single Sunday to this football team. Takeaway number five, more and more trickeration from those Miami Dolphins. How about the Malcolm Perry sneak? An empty formation, they motion him in. He gets right up under center and snaps that ball on third and one to move the chains. I loved that call. How about the fake punt pass from Kamu Gruje Hill to Matt Hawk, or other way around, sorry, Matt Hawk to Kamu Gruje Hill. They wind up getting flagged for it. I'm sure Danny Crossman is going to be very upset about the way that went down, but they converted it on the field, just didn't report as eligible out there. Got to get that taken care of. And then, of course, the Lynn Bowden reverse, double reverse run that he had where he had to break about 74 tackles on that play, shifting in and out of the defense there and making a big play that way. But I just love having all these kind of wrinkles in the back pocket that we just haven't seen that much this year. Maybe that's a good thing because you can reserve maybe some of those looks for bigger games like this. We saw one against the Chiefs last week. We saw it here against the Patriots in this big game. Maybe you see some more wrinkles added on in the future. Who knows? Because we've seen this coaching staff pull off some things here this year in the past with Coach Flores. So it's definitely something great to have in your back pocket in a pinch. When you need a big play, you see something you like. It's it's so It shows you the Miami's aggressiveness, but also their preparation and putting themselves in position to say, hey, they're kind of reacting this way to this. Maybe we can fool them with this. I love to see it. So those are my five takeaways. A couple more individual notes here. I wrote down in my notes from the press box, I wrote Brita Spita. I guess that's a play on the Cheetah's nickname that I was thinking of at the time. I liked the way he ran the football in this game, in addition to Savon Ahmed for the big day. I wrote Lynn Bowden becoming a reliable third down conversion guy on those short underneath passes. That quick shiftiness shows up in the route running as well as his run after the catch ability. Durham Smythe had a couple of big plays in this game, catching the football, getting upfield, making guys miss. So too did Adam Shaheen. Talked about the offensive line. I thought all five guys played well. And Michael Dieter getting back in the lineup for the first time this season on offense. Good to see him out there as well. He was rocking a Florida Panthers jersey after the game with Jesse Davis wearing a hockey jersey as well. And then I think it was Blake Ferguson had the uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, Griswold jersey pregame as well. So some hockey fans here in the building. Emmanuel Ogba, I was good to see him get the splash play like we talked about 
with Jerome Baker last week. These guys that impact the game consistently, and now you see them show up in the stat sheet. That's always good to see his ninth sack of the year. You'd love to see that. Leading the, leading the Dolphins in sacks this year and hopefully going to get double digits on the season. Talked about Raekwon uh, Davis, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Shaq Lawson had some good plays in this game. Jerome Baker, Kyle Van Noy, that play where he falls into the hook zone. Damn near gets himself a pick, gets himself a PBU. Andrew Van Ginkle, I thought, had some good sticks in there in the, against the run as well. And speaking of that Van Noy pass breakup, man, I think Xavier Howard might have had a chance on that ball and behind him there if he doesn't get a finger on it, which you can't, you know, you can't play that way because you have to go attack the football. But it just, it speaks to Xavier Howard's ball hawking ability in a game like this where it's mostly run action for the most part. They're, they're playing it safe in the passing game and running the football effectively and efficiently. That's how the Patriots want to beat you. But he gets himself that fumble recovery that comes back. He gets the fumble force that does hold up and gets a turnover, his 10th turnover that he's a part of this season, whether it's interceptions or a fumble force slash fumble recovery, and then the play where he might have had a chance for a pick if it didn't get tipped beforehand. Three plays again where he's around the football. It just speaks to his ability to find the football. Eric Rowe had a great, great pass coverage play on a tight end, uh, kind of fade there down in the goal line area. He was right in phase, broke that thing up. We talked about Brandon Jones off the top a little bit. He continues to make plays seemingly every single week. We're going to get more into that on the Tuesday uh, All-22 Takeaway podcast. But now, let's go ahead and turn this thing over to John Kinjemi and get his three takeaways from the game. And joining me as he does on Sunday nights to recap the previous game, John Kinjemi, the co-host of the Audible podcast here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm great, Travis. Uh, a nice victory at home for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I, I just... Uh, I'm elated that with two weeks remaining in the regular season, the Dolphins control their own destiny. And I know it's a week-to-week league, but at least you can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel is the Dolphins can take care of business, uh, like much like they did against uh, the New England Patriots, the, the nemesis for, for over 20 years. <laughs> uh, I think the Dolphins will be happy and the fans will be happy at the end of the year. Yeah, a couple of games to finish out this season here on the road and some interesting dynamics that could be in play for both those games as far as, you know, are, are the are the teams going to play their guys? Do they have enough guys to pull out the roster with the Raiders' injuries and how banged up they are? We'll, we'll get to that here on a future podcast, but it certainly bodes well for a good conversation down the line as the Dolphins approach the final two games of the season. But the third to last game, a 22-12 win over the Patriots. And John, your first takeaway from the game was... Uh, the ground and pound of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, where did they resurrect this rushing attack? I, I thought it was sensational today that, you know, Ahmed and Brita were able to contribute equally. And they did it in different ways. I thought Ahmed really had terrific vision today running with the football. He knew when to press the hole. He knew when to bounce it outside and use that speed. And and Matt Brita, for as for as decisive as Ahmed is when he runs the football. Brita was missing that gene for some reason. I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if it was lack of playing time. I don't know if it was, you know, a new offense, but it never seemed to really click on all cylinders. And today it it finally got into high octane gear for, for Brita. And you could really see that speed on the perimeter when he just outflanked uh, defenders from the Patriots and then outraced defenders almost to the house on one of the runs. You know, Ahmed goes for 122. They both averaged over five yards per carry. And and the one good thing, there were there were runs of length. The Dolphins have been deficient in running the football for 20 plus yards on on single carries. 
I think Ahmed had one for 31. Breida had one for 24. Uh, it was nice to see that offensive line do such a nice job and give these guys room to run, and, and they knew what to do when they saw daylight. You mentioned the yards per carry average. Breida, 7.2 yards per carry, and we're not talking about two or three runs. The guy had 86 yards in the game, so that was cool to see. I was I was so enamored by the thing you mentioned there about him winning the edge. He does this thing where he kind of like dips his back in around or like tucks his shoulder into the sideline to kind of get away from the defender and it helps him get that edge and, and get that extra step and just take off up the sideline. A big, big part of this win for the Dolphins today. John, your second takeaway was? Uh, the second half turnaround for the Miami Dolphins. I, I didn't think the Dolphins played poorly in the first half. They just didn't have things go their way. You know, the defense had a forced fumble that X picks up and goes 86 yards for a would-be touchdown. It gets called back because I think Christian Wilkins was was out of bounds and contacted the football. And it, w- it was one of those things where you just you, you didn't feel like the Dolphins were in trouble, but the Dolphins weren't playing uh, well enough to really take over the game at that point. They're, they're trailing six to nothing. But I thought the opening drive of, of the third quarter and in the second half, you know, you score three times in terms of getting down and putting big drives together. It was nice to see those guys go nine plays, 72 yards on that first drive to open up the second half. Uh, I thought the running, the, the, the passing really complemented each other. And then and then they get right back on the horse a couple series later in the fourth quarter. And you get a 14-play a drive for uh, an Ahmed, uh, you know, two-point conversion after the two-a scramble and score. It was, it was just nice continuity in the second half. And I thought offensive coordinator Chan Gailey did a nice job of a double reverse pass, uh, uh, almost a, a bit of a flea flicker for the two point conversion on a, on a you know a little swing pass and and pitch back to Ahmed and in the fake punt. Uh, there was a lot of nice things that were done in all phases, and I just thought the second half the offense really caught fire. And you really felt confident that this game was going to be a win at home. I'm so glad you mentioned it and ended your takeaway with that because I just, as someone that's been watching this team for, you know, the better part of 25 years now, I've never in a season had so many moments where I was like, oh, they're like, I'm not even sweating right now because today I thought the defense was playing so well that getting a touchdown against that defense was going to be so difficult. And the second half, you mentioned the offense finding their rhythm. It just felt like they were going to score every time they got it. So it's been a whole season of just confidence from this Dolphins team, and they're only getting better. They're only going to continue to grow from there. John, what is your third takeaway from the Dolphins? 22, Patriots 12. Relentless pressure on defense. Uh, I just I knew that New England coming into this game was going to be one-dimensional, and they were going to have to find their way on the ground and hope for a couple of ex- explosive plays. And they got some explosive plays on offense, but I knew Cam Newton wasn't going to – he consistently beat you through the air and they couldn't go 80, 85. They'd have to go 50 or 60 to beat the dolphins or at least hang in there with the dolphins. And I I just thought getting your hand on the football, forcing multiple fumbles, pressuring the pocket when they, when they decided to throw new England and squeezing the pocket with multiple sacks. And it's, again, it's different people. It's sealer. It's Baker again, uh, finding a, a sack. It's uh, getting your hands on the football down the field. Um, It's just, it was contagious. Anytime the ball was loose, there were three or four aqua jerseys around it. And any one of them could have picked one up. I mean, a Landon Roberts almost took out Eric Rowe on the fumble recovery (laughs) down the field that X punches out uh, after a big play by New England. But those are the types of things that make it fun for, for football teams, for defenses to kind of rally around each other. 
when they see the offense score and they go, hey, we're just going to keep playing our game because we've already set our standard and they kept kept it, you know, kept hammering, kept kept taking uh, New England and making it and go the, the hard road. Nothing was easy for those guys. And I, I just thought the pressure in the pocket, getting hands on the football, that seems to be Dolphins' defense in 2020, and I'm glad to see it continue. 26 takeaways. They came into this game tied for first with Pittsburgh with 25 takeaways. Their third down defense, which was tops, improved in this game after allowing just two for nine conversions in the game. Dolphins win 22-12, move to 9-5. We have two games left on the road. John, we're not going to get to talk to you next week because it's a primetime game. And, well, we don't want to keep you up until 4 o'clock in the morning, sir. So <laughs> I, I appreciate your duties and your services here. And we'll talk to you again after the Buffalo game, okay? Uh, that sounds great. Hopefully we're talking playoffs after the Buffalo game. Hey, I, I wanted to have you say it, so I appreciate that very much. That's that's okay. I'll <laughs> say it. I, I can't wait to say it. Perfect. we got two more left, and then we'll see from there. John Kajemi, the co-host of the Audible podcast here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. John, thank you as always, my friend. We'll see you next time. You got it, Travis. And away he goes. Always a fun conversation on the Sunday Night Recap Podcast. And we heard him mention playoffs there a little bit. I was thinking about diving into the scenarios, but I think for the most part, you guys know it. I think what you got to do is win the last two football games. There are some back channels you can find your way into. The Browns and the Ravens have to lose certain games. The Colts could possibly lose some games and get in that way. But the best way to get in for Miami, win the last two games, and you're going to be in the playoffs. That's all there is to it. And speaking of the upcoming week, it's going to be a different week for us here on the podcast since we have a shorter week for you guys and with Christmas on Friday. Not going to have a podcast for you on Friday, but we do have the Flashback Podcast already in the can. So by the time you hear this podcast, it might be up. Jay Fiedler joins the podcast to talk about the 2001 victory over the Oakland Raiders ahead of this week's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. So don't forget to check that out. It's a great podcast. Jay talks about post 9-11, the game-winning touchdown being on the Sports Illustrated cover. A great talk there with Jay Fiedler. As for my time on this edition of Drive Time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins and check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast as well as MiamiDolphins.com, the Sunday night spotlight, as well as the game recap up there. And tomorrow we'll have John Congemi's three takeaways from the game on the website. Until next time, fins up.